Hi, and welcome to Meridian Explains All Things Real Estate, a podcast just recently named in the top 70 podcasts of Salt Lake City by Feedspot.com. I'm your host, Andre Howell. I'm with Meridian Title, and this podcast brings you juicy topics, current topics, and difficult topics in regards to the Utah real estate world, and we do it all within 15 minutes. So today's episode is a bit back to school themed, a bit change of season themed with a topic that on the surface doesn't seem too difficult, but sometimes it can just land people in complicated and costly situations, tenancy. So stay tuned to not only get a good refresher course on holding title, but also to go below the surface to see the advantages and pitfalls of each kind of tenancy. Thanks for joining us. This is Meridian Explains ownership and tenancy. So my special guest today is Dan Orulian, Compliance Officer and Operations Manager here at Meridian Title. Welcome, Dan. So glad to be here. And this is not your first podcast, right? No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) Well, so we've got a pro with us today. Okay, Dan, how long have you been with Meridian Title and what all does being a compliance and operations manager entail? So I've been with Meridian Title for 18 years, just celebrated my 18 year anniversary. And as a compliance officer for the company, uh, I do the review of company processes and procedures for regulatory and compliance. I do the efficiency stuff for the company, coordinate training for the staff. I oversee our post-closing policy and recording department. And I'm also a member of commercial, the Meridian commercial team. I'm the commercial team coordinator here. I really do enjoy working with you, Dan. You just <laughs> seem to know the answers and have it all running smoothly. So, and the, one of the reasons why I wanted you on today's podcast is um, because of the continuing education classes you've taught for the realtors and my clients have just absolutely loved your classes. Thank and you. one of those is, is the estate planning class. And that covers a lot of tenancy questions. So um, you're just the perfect guest to give a good refresher course on the different types of tenancies and what that can mean for people. But um, you know, since it's back to school week, let's start with the very basics, ownership. You got sole ownership and you have co-ownership. That's right, and I'm not an attorney. I'll start off by saying that. But I am a title insurance professional, which qualifies us in some ways to speak on some of these terms. But having said that, we do often refer people when we're talking about these subjects to attorneys. Um, In Utah, we're not a community property state. So as an individual, you can hold title, even as a married individual, you can hold title sole and separate from a married spouse or from other people. So yes, we can hold title and sole ownership. Community property, the idea of that, which I said we're not a community property state, That is when the income, real estate, or other property that's acquired by either spouse in a marriage uh, during the marriage belongs to both spouses. So both spouses own everything equally regardless of who purchased it or who who earned the income. Uh, Conversely, Utah is not a community property state. We're what's called an equitable distribution state. And what that means, equitable distribution is a principle in divorce law that says the court is gonna try and achieve a fair allocation of the assets in a marriage based on factors and guidelines set up by the state. And those are some questions like, okay, who paid the mortgage? Who paid for the improvements on the land? Who was paying the taxes? Who has the equitable argument for some interest in the property? 
But basically speaking, my whole rant on that was about, <laughs> yes, in Utah, you can own property as an individual or together with another tenant or owner. Okay. And um, let's talk about the pitfalls for each one. Uh, for example, sole ownership is great if it's just you and, um, you know, you're just there doing your thing. But after death, it could cause situations to arise that need to be addressed. That's right. And that's the main purpose of tenancy and the types of tenancy that we have. It's the idea of rights of survivorship, or in other words, what happens after we die, or the, the owner of the property dies. So in sole ownership, when the individual dies that owned the property, the property ownership goes to the estate of the deceased person, and it's subject to probate. And I just heard everybody gasp because probate is a scary word to a lot of people. Um, but I wanna talk a minute about probate. So. Uh, the process of probate is really just about approving or validating a will in the court. So uh, when a person dies and they have a will in place, their estate is called testate. It means there's a will in place. When they die without a will, the estate is intestate. There's no will in place. And the purpose of probate in that scenario is not to verify the will, but to identify heirs um, of the estate. The second part of probate is to appoint a personal representative to administer over the estate and the assets therein. So probate has to happen within three years of the person dying. And after three years, it's a different proceeding used to determine heirs and administer to the estate. But some of the misconception about probate is that it's so difficult and scary. In reality, probate can be a formal proceeding or an informal proceeding. In fact, we have our legal assistant here at Meridian Title assisting with some of the probates through our legal team, and they can be filed online with no court hearing um, in a lot of cases. Um, they can happen very quickly. Uh, the exceptional cases where there are contested, contested estates or there are difficulty finding and identifying heirs, those are really the exceptions to the rule. For the mm -hmm. most part, probate is really not that complicated, and it can be handled very simply and relatively inexpensively. Um, uh, and most of the personal representatives that are appointed are appointed without supervision from the court either. So probate doesn't have to be the scary thing that everybody is so concerned about, but we can also talk about some ways that we can avoid that too. Yeah, the, the this is, this comes up a lot, this issue of probate. And I get a lot of questions from customers just kind of they want to prepare, um, but they are worried about the tax situation. So some of the questions I get are like, I don't want my kids to have to probate my estate and I don't want them to have to pay taxes on their inheritance. Should I put the title in, the tr in a trust? Should I just deed my kids on title as joint tenants now? And I really like to ask a lot of questions um, but we aren't tax advisors. Um, I'm not an attorney. I, I like to get them in touch with, you know, our legal department or, you know, an appropriate attorney um, because each scenario is different. And I it, it, it can just get people in a lot of hot water just like, oh, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to pay for a probate. Let me just put my kids on title. That's right. Yeah, we've heard all that before. 
And you introduced a couple of terms there that would probably be helpful to talk about a little bit so that we can get to the bottom of what the real issues are there. Okay. Um, you, we talked a little bit about sole ownership and probate, but then there's also the idea of co-ownership, owning property with other individuals. Yeah. And that is where tenancy comes in, when you've got multiple parties that are holding title to a property. And in Utah, that can be done in two ways. There's two types of tenancy. There is tenants in common, and there's joint tenancy. And the real difference between the two is the right of survivorship. What happens after someone dies that's on, that owns the property? So start with joint with tenants in common. Okay. Uh, tenants in common is when each owner owns a percentage of the property that's a separate and independent estate from the other owners. So that is usually evenly split among the tenants or the owners on the property, or we can allocate their percentages on the recorded deed. So we can state that one party owns 75% of the property and another party owns 25%. If we don't disclose those percentages, it's just interpreted split equally, 50-50, one-third each, one-fourth each, or however uh, however many people there are on title. Okay. Um, but the right of survivorship for those estates, each part of those, each percentage interest, if one of those individuals dies, that interest then goes to the estate of that individual, individual, their heirs, and it's subject to probate. So as tenants in common, when an individual dies, their estate or their interest goes to the heirs of that estate and is subject to probate. That's conversely, or if, as opposed to, holding title in joint tenancy. In joint tenancy, the rights of survivorship, when one of the tenants dies, goes to the other surviving joint tenant or joint tenants. So they have the rights of ownership. It doesn't go to the estate of the deceased individual. It goes to the other joint tenant on title. So they both get 100% ownership, yeah. and then they maintain 100% ownership if one of them is that's right with one caveat okay they can sever their joint joint tenancy if one of them acts without the other so as long as they're acting together Mm. it preserves the joint tenancy and the rights of survivorship but if two parties own title and one goes and tries and encumbers the land and signs a lien or a deed of trust that could sever the joint tenancy or if one of them goes and signs a deed for interest they can't deed 100% of the property, they would then be severing the joint interest. But if both of them act together, the joint tenancy and rights of survivorship are preserved. Okay. So with that joint tenancy, if an individual does die, if one of the tenants dies in joint tenancy, it's a very simple process to transfer their interest. All we have to do is let the recorder's office know that one of them is dead. And we do that with a death certificate being recorded in the public record. Mm-hmm. And then, their interest is effectively passed as of the date that the decedent passed away. So even if the death certificate were recorded years and years later, mm-hmm. it would retroactively pass title on the date that they died if they held title as joint tenants. No okay. probate necessary. So in Utah, it's assumed that if we haven't defined tenancy as joint tenants, it's assumed that people hold title as tenants in common, separate estates from one another. Okay. So it's important to know if you intend to have title with rights of survivorship as joint tenancy, it's important to know what the terms are that would define that and describe that in the public record. Those mm-hmm. terms are joint tenants or with rights of survivorship or not as tenants in common or as of 1997 
after 1997, we can also use the term husband and wife or wife and husband. Okay. If that language is on a deed, they're, they're considered joint tenants. Okay. And then recently, in 2022, we expanded that language to include spouses or married people. So if they're married and it's disclosed on the deed, it's assumed that they are joint tenants with full rights of survivorship, okay. unless it articulates otherwise. Okay. And one other comment I want to make about joint tenancy is because the tenancy in joint tenancy relates to the rights of survivorship, what happens when a party dies, an entity incapable of death can't hold title in joint tenancy. They have to be tenants in common. So when you're talking about an LLC or a corporation or a partnership or a trust, these are entities that can't die. They don't have the ability to be deceased. And so if an entity is on title with an individual, they can only hold title as tenants in common, a percentage of the estate. Even if the individual dies, they can't be a joint tenant with an entity. So they can't do that. that entities can only hold title as tenants in common. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, one time I saw a deed and there were 17 owners of this pretty large piece of land and each owner was like an entity. Entity. They were like LLC or yeah. trust or uh, yeah. that kind of thing. But it was actually really quite nice because it gave an exact percentage of how many of these you know entities had yeah. in the land depending on how much the you know investment was at the beginning so yeah, it makes the math really simple when they give you all the numbers yes one thing that i want to talk about when it comes to joint tenancy and going back to like trying to avoid probate or yes. you know uh if someone wants to add their kids to the property i always like to have that conversation of if you do that as joint tenancy then now you're adding another person with 100% interest. If that person uh, gets, you know, a, a divorce, this property is now listed as an asset or if they get sued or if they have judgments right. or taxes. You have, you've outlined a lot of the risks of just adding someone to title. It's not always a good idea. And as I said, I'm not an attorney. I'm also not a tax advisor. But I'm gonna little. I'm gonna jump on a little soapbox about a tax implication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever you're adding a child to title, they risk one of the tax problems is they lose their step up in basis as an inheritance. So a step up in basis with regard to capital gains taxes means the taxpayer inherits the value of the property at its current value. So they're not responsible for paying taxes on the increase from the time that the person acquired the property to when they were deceased and they inherited the property. So they can save a tremendous amount of money on their taxes by allowing this step up in basis to occur at the time of inheritance. My parents, my, my, my dad, uh, he inherited a property from my grandparents when they passed away. Uh, they bought the property clear back in the 60s ridiculously less expensive and lower value then than when he inherited the property in 2021. Had they put him onto title in 2007 when my grandfather died, so he was on title with my grandmother, he would have lost the step up in basis all the way up to 2021. He would acquire title and had to pay capital gains on all of the increase from 2007 to 2021. But because he didn't get put on title, and inherited the property when my grandmother died, 
he was able to take the step up in basis and was able to inherit the property and not pay the capital gains tax. Yeah. So that's, that was a big benefit. You also mentioned the risk of having judgment liens come onto property. Essentially, when you add someone to property, you're losing control. You could open the property up to lawsuits on that individual. They can go and encumber and sell their interest. You don't have the control anymore. So, you know, there are a lot of other solutions and some of those solutions could be a trust, like a revocable trust, where a grantor puts their assets into the trust, it's managed by the trustors on behalf of beneficiaries, and it's private, it's not put in the public record, and it preserves that uh, step up in basis. Yeah, uh, and so in a lot of cases, when people think they're being tricky, it's going to cost more than a probate would or you know, not a very good option, but we would love, love, love to answer any questions that um, people have about ownership, tenancy. So 801-264-8888 or your connection. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for being our special guest today. We release a new podcast once a month for all you listeners. So if you enjoyed this 15 minutes, be sure to follow uh, and share with your friends and clients. This is Meridian Explains All Things Real Estate.